Hello, I'm Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It, Next Level Aviation Knowledge in Microbursts. Today we're going to be talking about scenario-based training. Our references will be the Aviation Instructor's Handbook, Chapter 1, Chapter 3, Chapter 5, Chapter 7, and Chapter 9. Chapter 1 covers risk management and aeronautical decision-making. Chapter 3 discusses theory and principle. Chapter 5 talks about creating scenario-based training. 7 talks about incorporating it into your syllabus. And 9 talks about integrating the learning methods into your scenario-based training. So what is scenario-based training? First off, scenario-based training can happen in any mode of learning from sitting across the table at your local coffee shop to a simulator, as well as in flight. For most general aviation training, sitting at a table is more than enough to effectively incorporate scenario-based training into the syllabus, into your learner's training. Eventually moving into the aircraft, I call these tabletop scenarios, where the learner can break out all the books, all the online references, and work through a scenario prior to it occurring in the aircraft. Scenario-based training is a subset of higher-order thinking skills, or hot skills. We're looking at problem-based learning. We're looking at authentic, real-world problems. We're looking at learner-centered learning, active learning, cooperative learning, and customized learning. Scenario-based training presents problems and tasks while learning in an operational environment. I'm going to refrain from using the word simulated with regards to the operational environment for the time being. We are not simulating the hot skills. Even the scenario is not a simulation as we will be using potentially or actual scenarios from your POH, from your ACS, to develop the scenario-based training. I like to center my scenario-based training, just like I said, on the emergency section of your POH, the abnormal procedures of your POH, as well as the ACS with regards to human factors and system malfunctions and abnormalities. SBT, or scenario-based training, challenges the learner to develop multiple courses of action against one scenario then vet each scenario to determine which one will work best. Kind of sounds like perceive, process, and perform, or decide. That's exactly what we're doing with scenario-based training. We're going to take an abnormal or an emergency out of the POH, or we're going to reference the ACS and extrude the scenario topic from the ACS and go, okay, today we are gonna learn about environmental system abnormalities. And then you're gonna give that system abnormality in a very general sense to your learner. And then you're gonna let them sit across the table for five minutes and work through all the source documents to come up with the complete logical sequence of how they would handle this in flight. Again, across the tabletop. Once they've done a few of these across the tabletop, then you can move to the, sim the simulator, and then you can move to the airplane. 
Of course, simulators are not required, but if you have one, leverage it. Don't worry about what you can and can't count towards the experience requirements for the test. Just leverage that simulator as much as possible to help your applicant save as much money as possible before going into the airplane. We have to remember the four levels of under, the four levels of learning, rote, understanding, application, and correlation. So rote occurs at that ground school level. Now this isn't ground training. For those of you who have listened long enough to my podcast, you know that ground school and ground training are two separate things. Ground school is usually en masse. It's usually very rote oriented. It's oriented towards the written exam to get you through the information to your written exam in a large group for the least amount of money to get your exam done. Ground training is separate from ground school and it's when you work one-on-one with your instructor to work towards the knowledge and risk requirements of the airman certification standards in preparation for the ground portion of your practical exam. So the second level is understanding. This is the ground training. This is where we take all that rote information we learned in ground school and we work one-on-one with our instructor and we begin to understand what we've been taught to memorize. Once we understand what we have, now we have to go into the application. And this is where scenario-based training comes in. It's not just go out and fly 200 landings until you figure it out. Application occurs both during the ground training as well as the flight training. We take all this rote information that we've now spent time understanding and discussing one-on-one with our flight instructor. And now our flight instructor takes us into scenarios and says, okay, you've had an engine failure or you're crossing a front from... Uh, warm air to cold air and there's precipitation or you're flying along and you notice that your right tank is empty and your left tank is full but your fuel selector is on both how are you going to fix these scenarios what checklists are you going to run what systems knowledge do you have to pull out to understand how the system works and what's happening and how are you going to apply it to this specific scenario Once we get through scenario-based training, that leads to correlation, proper flight preparation and execution. So we've gone from memorized to understanding what we've memorized, ground school to ground training. Then we go to application. So we go from ground training to scenario-based training. And from scenario-based training, we go to proper flight preparation and execution or correlation where we bring all these principles together to apply to any situation that's thrown at us. So we're not going to go, we don't, no one has the time or the money to go through every single potential thing that could happen to you as a private pilot. But we do have the time and the money to capture a few significant ones to teach the principles of how to handle all abnormalities and all scenarios that could happen. Solid scenario-based training includes a clear set of objectives. Again, principle-based. It's not just learning one emergency procedure, but a process by which any emergency procedure can be successfully solved. This is the essence of correlation 
And we have kind of lost this through general aviation recently because of the high turnover rates of our CFIs going on to the airlines. That's great. Pursue your dreams, but make sure you're leaving something behind that's positive and fruitful for future generations of pilots. Scenario-based training has to be tailored to the needs of the learner. The majority of learners in general aviation need to learn problem-solving skills continuously. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. It's not really a checklist top to bottom when we are in the dynamic environment of flight. It's a constant circular battle of perceived process perform or applying your decide model. Scenario-based training captures and capitalizes on nuances. There's a difference between having an ADC failure with your weather at 200 foot overcast and one nautical mile visibility versus weather at circling minimums. And we're talking about on a departure. In the first one, you're kind of committed to go into the IMC with that ADC failure because you don't have any ability to circle back to the runway. If you take off and you're below 200 feet and you're not in the weather and you have an ADC failure, well, you can pull the power and land straight ahead if you have the runway, if you have enough flat space ahead of you to land the airplane and bring it safely to a stop. Now, if you take off and you lose your ADC right at rotation and you have circling minimums, well, you could climb up safely to circling minimums, declare the emergency, tell the tower you're going to circle back around to the runway you just took off of or any of the other runways that you feel that you can safely land the aircraft in that scenario. And so you can see there's a nuance there. The weather is the nuance, not the emergency. So we have to capitalize on those nuances and we have to use our imagination as flight instructors to come up with them. There are six requirements to executing proper scenario-based training. First, you have to use real-world scenarios. Again, your POH and the ACS and the Airplane Flying Handbook are where you're going to get these real-world scenarios from, specifically for general aviation. You got to require learners to make decisions. If you're leading them, if you're spoon-feeding them, if you're saying, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, why don't you do that? Hey, why don't we do this? They are not making the decisions. They're not the PIC. You are. And if you send them to an exam and you're still doing that in that three hours, air quotes, in that three hours of review, they're probably not ready for the checkout. SBT has to be open-ended and not limited to one correct answer. Now, my military training will say this is incorrect. In the military, there's only one way to do it, and it's the military way, and that's the way you're going to do it every single time. Well, it's the taxpayer's dollars, it's the taxpayer's training, and if the taxpayers want it done this way, well, we're going to do it that way because the taxpayers are paying for it. In general aviation, there's multiple ways to bring a scenario to a logical conclusion. It's okay to have an open-ended question to work through a scenario. We want to make sure we're connecting this to previously learned knowledge as well as new knowledge. And I will add previous and new skills because we're trying to make that transition from knowledge to skill through application. And of course, at this point, I have to throw out Vapor Global Aviation's motto, safety through knowledge 
application, and skill. Safety through knowledge, application, and skill. That's the way we teach at Vapor Global Aviation. Next, you have to make sure you reflect on lesson objectives. So what was the purpose of this lesson? Was it to learn how to handle an emergency in general, or was it specifically to an abnormal procedure that most applicants have trouble with, right? So you take the ones that people struggle with the most and you make sure that you're, you're covering those and teaching the principles behind that scenario. If you work at a flight school, somebody should be capturing what are people failing exams for or being disapproved for exam for? What are people missing on their written exams? Those are easy codes to capture because it's all in the ACS now. So if you have all your clients' app codes for the ACS and all their uh, disapprovals or their debrief items from their exams, and you put that into a spreadsheet and you do the research, you might find out that at your flight school, this specific maneuver or this specific knowledge topic is coming up over and over and over again. So now you need to cover that through scenario-based training to make the school's training better, which will make your client's training better. So you got to dig, you got to ask for that feedback on those uh, by reflecting on lesson objectives. You got to ask the DPEs, you got to look at the written test results. Don't just look at the percentage score and go, you passed or fail. Look at that line underneath because that line is not, those codes are not only critiquing your applicant, but they're critiquing you as a flight instructor. And challenge learners to think critically, right? Without bias or emotion. This is something that's drilled into the military pilot. In general aviation, there's so many opinions about everything. There is a lot of bias and a lot of emotion tied to those opinions, comparatively speaking, to a military pilot or a military training scenario. When we think critically, what we do is, in these scenario-based training, across the tabletop, we sit down, we give the example, we give the scenario, and we let the applicant move through the factual information written in black and white in all the source documents. Then there's no bias, there's no emotion, there's no improper training, because the books will lead the way to the logical outcome, or one of the few logical outcomes that could occur. The Aviation Instructor's Handbook says SBT is a highly structured script. I would slightly disagree. If, if the scenario solution is supposed to be open-ended and allow for errors, corrections, and a decision-based outcome, it cannot be highly scripted. SBT makes the jump from rote to correlation. If you're going into every flight or every exam trying to remember everything you have to do, you're in a rote mindset. Think of it this way. A computer has a hard drive that stores all its data, the brain, the knowledge center. When it receives an input via the keyboard or the mouse, or in the case of a airplane, stick throttle weather ATC, right? In the case of a pilot flying an airplane, it reaches into the hard drive, accesses the required content, and then ex executes. The computer doesn't keep everything in the RAM memory. It has a larger storage and it only pulls forward what it needs. So we have to think of it SBT in that way. We're teaching long-term memory retention by recall. 
If we keep everything in the short term, we're eventually going to forget it. If we keep it in the short term for the rote portion, and then we move it from the rote portion to the long-term portion of our brain through application of SBT, then when we go to correlate, that, that knowledge will come forward naturally. Some examples. When you develop scenario-based training, it's a mental rehearsal. And part of that mental rehearsal, we have to generate what I call the sweat factor. So the sweat factor is when I was in the military training, they would make you stand up at the front of the room. They put kind of a spotlight on you. They would darken the rest of the classroom. Some captain, major, or colonel from the darkness would challenge you with an emergency scenario. And you would have to stand up there at attention uh, with your source documents in front of you, standing at attention with this kind of spotlight on you at 4.30 in the morning before flying started and go through and you had to be 100% correct on everything that came out of your mouth or you got, quote, sat down. And that gave you the sweat factor. That gave you the exact feeling that is going to occur in flight when you have an emergency. So my scenarios start out rather simply. Something like this. You're at 6,500 feet. You're flying along your planned route of flight. Your engine has all of a sudden stopped producing power. Go. Sometimes I'll have the learner stand up just to add some pressure to the scenario. It takes them out of the comfort of their chair and it mentally and physically exposes them to the bigger room around them. Remember, you might be in a coffee shop. So now you tell your learner to stand up, you give them the scenario, and everybody at your local Starbucks is turning around and looking going, why is that guy standing up and talking? Bam, the sweat factor begins. I personally like to teach the principle, maintain aircraft control, analyze the situation, take the appropriate action, land as soon as conditions permit. This is what I did for 20 years in the military with every scenario that was thrown at me, whether it was emergency, whether it was abnormal, or maybe it was normal and I just haven't done it before. In general aviation, we're missing out on the two middle parts from my viewpoint. We're not analyzing the situation and we're not taking the appropriate actions per referencing the specific checklist, literally opening up the POH to the page of the checklist that we have to apply. When we maintain aircraft control, you can think, okay, in this scenario, ABC, airspeed. Okay, I gotta get my airspeed the best glide, I gotta turn towards the best place to land, and then I gotta run the checklist. Well, what checklist do we run? Well, we have to analyze the situation before we know what checklist we have to run. We can't just jump to a checklist because we think we know that's biased and that's emotional and that's kind of panic. Okay, our engines failed or, or we have a windmilling prop. Is there oil pressure being displayed? Because if the prop's windmilling, there should be some oil pressure. Okay, we got some oil pressure, so it's not a seized engine or it's not a completely destroyed engine. What are my fuel gauges telling me? Do I have one on E and one on full? Did I just run it out of gas and I need to switch the fuel tanks? Did I forget to richen the mixture while I'm in a descent? You have to look at all these items to understand what checklist to run. Am I running an engine failure checklist or am I running an engine starvate or a fuel starvation checklist? Two different checklists. 
Am I running a loss of oil pressure checklist or am I running a fuel pump failure checklist? What, what's happening before I just jump into any checklist? Once we analyze the situation, we take the appropriate actions from the correct checklist and proceed to safely land when conditions permit. Mostly what I see in exams is, uh, here's your emergency situation, and I get, okay, uh, I'm going to do these four, three or four memory recall items, and then I'm going to land as soon as possible. Nope, that's the bread. That's the boring part of the sandwich. You got to give me the peanut butter and jelly. You got to get the the meat and cheese and lettuce and tomato and mayo and mustard you got to you got to build the sandwich with details the best place to find a consolidated list of scenarios to cover with your learner yep you guessed it been saying it all along the ACS table of contents specifically weather information because no matter what exam you take you're going to cover three weather scenarios Human factors, no matter what exam you take, you're going to cover three human factors. Diversion, loss procedures, and no matter what exam you take, you're going to, you're going to get tested on at least three subsections of systems and equipment malfunctions. And if you're a CFI, you're going to get tested, I believe, if I remember the PTS correctly, you're going to get tested on 13 sections. You have to be ready with scenarios, whether you're the private pilot or whether you're the CFI. Maybe it's five out of the 13th. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's a lot. And you got to be ready with those scenarios. You got to be ready to teach and you got to be ready to execute across the tabletop and eventually move into the aircraft. And so you have a lot of DPEs who'll do some emergencies on the ground, some emergencies in flight, and they'll cover both ground and flight portions of your emergency scenarios, of your human factor scenarios, to see how you perform in those scenarios, not just on the ground, but also in flights. Because some emergencies you don't want to do in flight, but you, we have to cover them. So that's SBT in a nutshell, scenario-based training. Again, my name is Pete Redden. Thanks for listening to The Way I Taught It. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.